0: We've read in Colossians chapter 3 that there are some things that we need to put to death in our lives. Today we begin looking at some things that the Bible tells us we need to put off. The first of these things that we need to put off are anger, wrath, and malice. These three are so closely interrelated that we're going to deal with them together under the general topic of anger. Putting off anger is very important in our lives. If we're angry people, we'll continually have problems. Join us today as we begin looking at this idea of putting off anger, and we try to identify the problem and seek ways to eliminate it. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. Because the topic that I'm gonna preach about is one that um, is probably more needed by me than by you and uh, you know I think I mentioned to you sometime back as we were on this series out of Colossians chapter 3 on mortifying our members that there might actually be a time when I feel like I need to turn around and not look at y'all while I preach because it's so embarrassing to me to be preaching about things to you that afflict me so greatly. And this is one of those times, so I'm not gonna turn my back, but, uh, but I hope you know that as I begin to preach on this that this is as much or more for your preacher than it is for you. But I hope it will be helpful as well to you. So in Colossians chapter three, we begin reading in verse one, If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. And that's the theme of the whole chapter and the whole book, indeed. Indeed, that's the theme of the whole scripture. Seek those things which are above. If you're a child of God, seek the things which are above and not the things on this earth, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on this earth. Don't let anything on this earth be more important to you than God and his kingdom not even your family, not even, certainly not your work and your recreation, but there should be nothing more important that you have your affection set upon more than Christ and his kingdom. Because you see, there's nothing that he has his affection set on more than you. You are his inheritance. For ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. You know, we may take the approach of I'm a, Uh, I'm a farmer, I'm a preacher, I'm a teacher, I'm I'm a lawyer, I'm a judge, or whatever you may want to throw in there, but you know what you really are? You are in Christ. He says your life is hid in Christ, and he says Christ is your life. That is who we are, that is how we should be identifying. We hear a lot of talk today about how people identify. This is how we should identify. We should identify as being in Christ. Because when he appears, we'll appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. And we talked about these. We spent a lot of time on fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And we see why, for which thing's sake, the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. We don't want to look like the children of disobedience. We want to look like the children of God. You know, if we're chastened for fornication, then we're, no, we're looking just like those whose the wrath of God is poured out upon by fornication. You see, we don't look any different. We ought to look differently than the world. For which things sake, the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience in the which also ye walked sometime when you lived in them. Now, verse eight and nine is where we want to start today because we talked about mortifying our members. There were some things to mortify or to murder and now there's some things to put off. We're going to see that there are some things we should put on. And there's some things that we should let into our lives. But here we see a list of some things that we are to put off. And we've talked about the list, those sins of the heart and the sins of the hands that were listed in that list that we should mortify. And we've dealt primarily with those sins of the heart. Those things that are inward. And now we're beginning to look at the outward things. But to look at the outward things, we must also begin, uh, continue rather, to deal with the inward things. So let's read verses 8 and 9. But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. Now here in verses 8 and 9, we see another list of some things that we need to deal with in our own lives. Now, I can see a lot of things that you need to deal with in your life. You know, I'm good at confessing your sins. (laughs) You know, I can look at you all day long and say, well, you know... uh, Uh, Brother Austin needs to fix this And Brother Seth needs to fix that And Brother James needs to fix this other thing But see that's not what we're talking about It's the mirror of the word of God Not the telescope or the microscope It's the mirror (laughs) So we need to look at our own lives Okay As I said I'm I'm good at confessing other people's sins But am I good at recognizing And confessing my own And I'll tell you these things hurt (laughs) These things hurt Now in this list of things we're to put off, I want to give you just a little bit of an overview and then I want to deal with them. There are attitudes of division and there are actions of division. Notice that these things that he lists here in particular are things that divide us and could divide us as a church and can divide us as a family and certainly divide us as communities and countries. And these, there are attitudes that lead to division and there are actions that stem from those attitudes because attitudes lead to actions, do they not? <laughs> so let's look first, just quickly, at the attitudes of division that he deals with here. Notice what he says. We're to put off anger, wrath, and malice. Now, just quickly, not to get too deep into this, but I want to define these terms because I think it's important that we know what is being talked about here. The word anger comes from the Greek word orge, which means a violent passion. And and it also, it, 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 it has to do with vengeance and indignation, okay? And it's properly translated here, I'm not correcting the translation, it's properly translated as anger. But we're going to see there's a little difference between anger and wrath. Anger is an abiding sense of uh, being upset about something, okay? Now, wrath, the word wrath is the Greek word thumos. And this is a passion. It's a violent, angry passion. And, and it's the, it carries the idea of anger that boils up and, and, and manifests itself and then subsides again. In other words, this is the one where you get angry quickly. You have a short temper, okay? Short fuse. Malice is the Greek word, it's just the general Greek word for anything bad, kakia, kakia is the Greek word there. And and it's used in so many ways, but in this particular context, it's talking about not just evil in general or malice in general, but it carries with it the idea of ill will and a desire to injure, even to the point of being wicked in the sense of not minding to break the laws. So so notice what we got here. we got a little bit of a difference, and there's some nuances of anger, wrath, and malice that I think are important to understand, and then we're going to deal with just the whole topic, all of them together, okay? Anger, then, as used here, is an indignation which has arisen gradually and become more settled in your life. You're, it's, it's the kind of thing that just stays with you It's something that's come up Maybe you're mad at somebody And you can't let go of it And it just abides in your life Okay, Or you're mad at something Wrath is anger that boils up quickly And that again, like I said That's the person that has the short temper You know, It just flies off the handle quickly And pretty soon settles back down Malice carries the idea of an abiding intent to do harm to somebody or to anybody or just to everybody, okay? Now, for our purposes this morning, I want us to treat all these together because they're all interrelated. You know, anger that boils up quickly and then subsides may eventually lead to, uh, to anger that abides with you. And anger that abides with you can lead to ill will and wanting to do harm to people. Now we'll come back later and look at these actions of division, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth, and lying. Notice that those three things are actions. You know, these, the, the first three are what's within us and, and the attitudes that we have, and the, the last three are actions that stem from those attitudes. But this morning, what I really want to deal with is the problem of anger. And we're going to treat anger, wrath, and malice all together under the heading of anger in this sermon if you'll allow me that liberty and like i said remember anger is the slow burn wrath is the short temper malice is the premeditated intent to do harm all of this all of this works together okay now first thing we need to think about is the serious nature of anger the serious nature of anger listen i'm preaching to you what i know (laughs) my family can tell you that my Close friends can tell you that. I'm preaching to you what I know. This is not something I'm unfamiliar with. And I'm sure that if you'll be honest with yourself, you all also have dealt with this in one way or another. So now, it's one thing to get angry. It's another thing to be an angry person. Because there is a righteous anger. We're going to talk about that, okay? But what I'm concerned about this morning is not the righteous anger, but the sinful anger that afflicts us in our lives. Because that's what we more often see. You see, this anger leads to so many other problems in our lives. How many problems in your own life can you think of that was caused by you getting angry? I can think of so many in my life that I wouldn't have had a problem with this person or I wouldn't have had a problem in this situation if I just kept my cool and I hadn't gotten angry, even if I felt it, but I didn't allow it to come out, okay? And I I read this and I thought it was pretty, pretty good. It was a pretty good statement, something we ought to remember. Somebody said that anger is just one letter short of danger. And you think about that. Anger is one letter short of danger. So here's the whole point is that we need to learn to control our anger or our anger will control us, okay? Look with me over to James chapter one and verse 19. Now listen to this and see if the Bible doesn't anticipate the problems that we have with anger. In verse 19, James chapter 1 and verse 19, he says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. You know, I'm so thankful. Some people say sometimes I just wish life had a manual. Life does have a manual. It's right here. If we would read sometimes, you know, that I've, I've never flown off the handle while I was reading James 1 verses 19 and 20, have you? <laughs> but I've flown off the handle many times when I didn't have it in front of me or I didn't have it in the forefront of my mind. You don't have to turn there, but sometime mark this, Proverbs 16 and verse 32, says, he that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh the city. If you can control your anger, if you can control your spirit, you're better than General MacArthur or General Patton or some other great mighty man, Alexander the Great, who, was ta- who took many cities, okay? Anger is a serious matter. See, anger, there's a physiological nature to anger. I want want to read to you a quote that I got from uh, the Victoria, Australia Health Department site about mental health and and anger. And it says this, it starts out by saying this, well-managed anger can be a useful emotion that motivates you to make positive changes. You know, I said there's a righteous anger. You know, we're going to read in a minute that he says in Ephesians, Be ye angry and sin not. Did you know you can get angry but still not sin? Jesus did. We're going to see that in a moment. But, but he's, so anger can be a useful emotion that motivates you to make positive changes. On the other hand, anger is a powerful emotion. And if it isn't handled appropriately, it may have destructive results for you and those closest to you. From a, a website named called mentalhealth.net. You can look it up sometime. It mentions the fact that that anger has a physiological effect upon us. It affects our bodies. Now listen to this. As you become angry, your body's muscles tense up. Inside your brain, neurotransmitter chemicals, known as catecholamines, are released, causing you to experience a burst of energy lasting up to several minutes. This burst of energy energy is behind the common angry desire to take immediate protective action. At the same time, your heart rate accelerates, your blood pressure rises, and your rate of breathing increases. Your face may flush as increased blood flow enters your limbs and extremities in preparation for physical action. Your attention narrows and becomes locked on the target of your anger. Soon you can pay attention to nothing else, in quick succession, additional brain neurotransmitters and hormones, among them adrenaline and noradrenaline, are released, which trigger a lasting state of arousal. You are now ready to fight. It goes on to talk about the fact that we also have um, in the, uh, uh, in, in the uh, prefrontal cortex of our brain the ability to control. That, that kind of controls the judgment in our brains. But here's my point. Now, listen, listen, to, listen to this. Let me share one other, uh, one other quote about the physiological nature of anger. This comes from that Australian website. Anger triggers the body's fight or flight response. And it says fear, excitement, anxiety does that too. The adrenal glands flood the body with stress hormones such as adrenaline and cortisol. The brain shunts blood away from the gut and toward the muscles in preparation for physical exertion. Heart rate, blood pressure, and respiration increase. The body temperature rises. The skin perspires. The mind is sharpened and focused. See, there's no doubt that when we get angry, our bodies are affected. Our bodies are affected. Now, as I said, righteous anger can be a good thing. Anger can prompt you to make positive change. But think about how that affects us. And think about if you are continually angry, if anger rises up within us and we continually stay in a state of anger, that's not good for us. We, know, we all know of people who've had major health issues such as strokes and heart attacks when they're in an elevated state of anger, you see. And now, now notice something else about anger. There's an emotional nature to it. There's an emotional, there are emotional triggers to anger. There are many things that trigger our anger. I don't know about you, but I've read some of these and come, come up with some of them from my own experience. Think about this. Fear. Fear often causes anger. We were talking about that last night. When, when you're startled, you know, or you feel threatened, you typically respond in anger. You know, I don't know about you, but I enjoy scaring somebody you know jumping out and yelling boo i enjoy that i enjoyed scaring my wife after we got married one time (laughs) one time she didn't react the way i was hoping she would react she reacted in anger (laughs) i learned my lesson don't scare her anymore like that seriously when when you're startled like that or when when fear comes upon you suddenly Often the response is anger. I've told this story many times. How that uh, uh, my brother and I used to, you know, be kind of foolish in the things that we did, and he he took a, a a hot stick, one of those cattle prods, and and he he stuck me with it, and you know it it startled me to the point where I came right around and hit him upside the head. But he was laughing too hard to he was laughing too hard to respond, so we didn't really get in a fight. But look, there are, there are actually, there are, there, are, um, there are biblical examples of this. I won't turn there and read them because we don't have time this morning. But go back sometime to 1 Samuel chapter 18 and read about where uh, King Saul had brought David on board as a, uh, his war leader. And, and suddenly the, the ladies of Israel came up with a song that Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul heard the, 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 the tune that was playing out there on the, on the hit list, and, and it scared him. He said, what more can he have but the kingdom? He, he reacted in fear, you see. He was afraid for, afraid for his kingdom. And he got angry at David and tried to kill him. All right, what about frustration? Do you get angry when you're frustrated? I do. When we have unmet expectations when things don't work out like we think they ought to we typically respond in anger you know i i can tell you especially when i was uh when i was primarily the one managing and running the farm when we go out there to get ready to do something we get ready to cut hay or we get ready to bale hay and i had it all planned out the expectations were that uh, you know, I just had a limited amount of time because I had two other jobs I was doing. I was going to go out there, and I was going to start at 1030, and we were going to be done by 5. And by 2 o'clock, we were still working on the hay baler. And it still wasn't ready to go, you see. You know, I wasn't, I'm sorry to admit, I wasn't singing Joy to the World <laughs> at that point. I was not happy. I was mad. I was angry, you see. You know, go back and read First Kings 21 sometime about... King Ahab. Now he was a wicked king, but he wanted the vineyard over there, and the guy that owned the vineyard wouldn't give it to him, or wouldn't sell it to him, and he went back home and sulked about it. He got angry because he didn't have. He was frustrated. What about what about confusion? I mean, I don't know about you. I don't like to be confused. I don't like to not know what I'm doing. It, it upsets me, and my go-to emotion is anger. I get angry about it. You know, especially when I'm in that fight or flight mode. If I'm on a trip and I'm out the, you know, somewhere away from home, and 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 we're getting we've gotten lost and we're trying to find our way back. It's that's not generally the time that I. Uh, say sweet, nice, kind things to my family. That's the time when they ask me something that I snap at them. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying this to be uh, proud of it. I'm sorry, I, I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed of it, but that's generally what happens. Go back and read in 2 Kings chapter five sometimes about Naaman the Syrians. He had gotten leprosy and this little Israeli girl that was his servant said, we've got a prophet over there, Elisha, who can heal you. And he goes over there and, and he won't even see him. Elisha won't even see him. You know, he, I don't, he had expectations. He expected to come there and to, uh, to be met by this Uh, this prophet, and I don't know if he was going to, you know, burn incense. I don't know what he expected that he would do, but he had an expectation that this prophet would come out and would meet with him. And when he got over there, he didn't even meet with him. He just sent word. He said, tell him to go dip seven times in the Jordan River. And he was confused. He he didn't know what was going on. He said, I've got rivers back home that would be a lot cleaner and a lot nicer. And he got angry and was going to stomp off in anger. And, of course, you know the rest of the story is the, the little servant convinced him to go ahead and do it. But, you see, the first reaction to confusion is often anger. What about failure? What about when things don't, don't go the way we want? They don't work out like we want them to. When we don't succeed in what we're doing, we often turn to anger as a response. You know, let's bring it down to, a, to something that we can identify with. What happens when... when um, Uh, when things don't go your way in a church business meeting? What happens when things don't go your way at work? What happens when things don't go your way and the things that you set out to to do? Uh, What about if you don't win an election? Okay, (laughs) I can identify with that. (laughs) Might make you angry, right? Over in Esther, sometime turn and read the first chapter of Esther. And actually, it's interesting that we think that that king Ahasuerus there was probably, uh, I believe it was Xerxes who... Uh, was a Persian king that went to invade Greece and was turned back at the Battle of Marathon. He was thwarted by this little group of Greeks, even though he was the king of the most powerful nation in the world at that time. And we're told that when he went back home, according to, this is extra biblical now, this is is some archeological discoveries, we're told that he sought the comforts of the harem his harem when he got back home and Esther was in that harem but his his queen his queen Vashti would not come to him and he he had a plan to have her come to him he made a big he made a big uh, supper one night and he was going to parade her out in front of all of his uh, captains and his generals and and just sort of you know in pride show off what a beautiful queen he had and she wouldn't she wouldn't come to him and he got mad and he demoted her and he elevated Esther to the, to the queenship. But you see, a lot of times failure leads to anger. What about physical or emotional hurt? You know, it's rare that we evaluate things objectively when we've been hurt, either physically or emotionally. We don't sit back and say, yeah, I kinda get that. I kinda see, you know, somebody hurt me with what they said, uh, but I kind of get where they're coming from, or maybe they didn't mean. No, we don't do. It. We just go away angry, right? We just get angry. That's what is that not what happened with Cain and Abel over in over in the fourth chapter there of of uh, Genesis? Cain's uh, Cain's uh, offering was not accepted, and he got mad about it. He was hurt, no doubt, but he got mad about it. his feelings were hurt. You see, what about embarrassment? I don't know about you, but when I'm embarrassed publicly, my go-to response is anger. I get mad about it, I get upset about it. We've already talked this morning about the ability to laugh at yourself. That's one thing I love about Brother Mackie Deason. He can, he can laugh at himself, he can get tickled over things that he thinks that he's done that, that are silly or, or foolish, and, and he'll laugh about it. And I remember, some of you remember Mr. Seal Burkhalter. I worked for him first two or three years of my, life, of my career as a lawyer. And that was one thing about C.O. Burkhalter. He could laugh at himself. And we need to have that ability, but that's not generally where we, where we go, is it? We generally go to being angry. You see, there's an emotional aspect to anger. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message.